Okay, so uh, the last time we were talking about, uh, actually we did a Q&A and we were talking about how, uh, you know, it's like uh, life is meant to be more about, you know, it's like just living life. It's about enjoying life, not being bogged down with this necessity and the urgency of, you know, of living and trying to do things, trying to, you know, uh, uh, fulfill your call and purpose with such, you know, such pressure. And, you know, it's, it's about living a free life. That's the life Father God has designed for us. And uh, one of the things that we need to understand is that everything that everything our life is about, it is about flowing from a relationship with him, right? It's not about, it's not about struggle. It's not about strife. It's not about this rat race we are living in. Uh, the life that uh, God designed for Adam was uh, a life which was supposed to flow out of the relationship that he enjoyed with Father God, right? In the, and that's why it, it was a life that, uh, as in God created man, he put man in the garden, right? So just to uh, recap some of the things that we have uh, spoken of in the past, I mean, a lot of stuff that we have spoken anyways is like, you know, you'll always hear that here and there. And it's, it's good to recap and just remember uh, everything that, because it forms a flow of thought, forms a train of thought, and it keeps us kind of grounded. So if you remember the last time I was telling you, or rather maybe a few sessions back, I was telling you about how that Eden is was not really a physical place, right? It was uh, it was a place in the spirit. It was where uh, it was where God play, uh, made man. Eden was uh, the garden of God, and uh, the the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not really physical trees. I mean, even if you think uh, logically. How can trees give life? How can a tree give you the knowledge of, of uh, good and evil? It's basically our lateral two-dimensional kind of a mindset that leads us to uh, believe that they were, they were literally physical trees, right? And uh, the thing is that whatever Adam, uh, whatever he saw in the spirit, right? Everything that Adam uh, saw and whatever he uh, perceived in the spirit is what he could translate, what he could manifest into his natural world. That's the way he was designed, right? He was designed to live in the spirit and from the spirit manifest, materialize heavenly and spiritual realities into this physical world. That's, that's, that's the nature, that's the order of things. It's not supposed to be like, for example, what was the fall? The fall was from his spiritual state of existence to a carnal state of existence. A state from where he, the source realm to being confined to this physical realm, as in being governed only by his five senses and what his what the world is uh, telling him. That was the fall. It wasn't, you know, the fall from uh, sin and and stuff like that. Sin was basically a byproduct of uh, his conscience separating him from God. His conscience being se separating him from that relationship with the Father. That was the sin. In other words, he believed something that was. Uh, that was physical, that was carnal, that was, you know, more natural than believing what Father God had created him to originally be, in other words, spiritual. That is what the sin was, so-called sin, right? And how sin is basically not believing God. So we've discussed this also in the past. Now, coming back to the garden, it is more about, you know, how uh, Father God, uh, you know, had created, was designed or rather created man in this place called Eden, Eden is his heart. Eden, like for example, there are so many uh, reasons. Why did God call this place called Eden? Names are given to so many uh, places. Like for example, in heaven, it's also called paradise, right? Uh, the kingdoms of light and kingdoms of darkness. What are, the, what are all these realms? These realms are basically states of existence, right? They are states in which a person lives, a reality in which a person lives. For example, the, the enemy lives in, a, in the kingdom of darkness. They, they, they are confined to the kingdom of darkness. What does that mean? It's not some physical place in heaven. It's not some physical place in the spiritual realm. It is a state of existence in which they are living. In other words, their minds are confined to darkness. They, they, they do not live in the light. They do not live in revelation. That's what it talks about. So it's like we are, I'm, in, I'm in darkness right now. I can't see the light. I don't have revelation. They've been reserved in chains of darkness. That's what it literally means. And places uh, in the kingdom, places in the, in the heavens, the spiritual realm is basically all about that, right? So 
how do we see the spiritual realm? How do we see these places? Like, for example, if you were to think of uh, the realm of, you know, it's like darkness and stuff like that, your mind needs to understand what is this kingdom of darkness? What is this kingdom of light? What is heaven? What is the kingdom of God? Right? What is paradise? What is Hades? What is, you know, uh, like Abraham's bosom? As in, think about it. These are all places that we read about in the Bible, but what are these places? Are they physical places? Are they like places that people people live in or other spirits live in? It doesn't make sense that people would live in a place called Abraham's bosom. As in, how does that even make sense? Well, Abraham's bosom simply means, translated, Abraham's heart. Now, do you really think spirits are living in Abraham's heart? No. It was talking about Abraham being the father of faith, being the father of, you know, uh, the father of many nations, father of Israel, and everybody came who, everybody who was born of his lineage, who came under the old covenant, they went, who, who stuck with the covenant, who lived under the covenant and lived by the righteousness that that covenant gave, they went to this place and they, they got translated to this place called Abraham's bosom because Abraham was the father of faith. He was the father of Israel, the nation through whom God established the old covenant. So where did all the people who lived in uh, who, under the old covenant, who lived righteously under the old covenant go? To Abraham's bosom. They were born of Abraham's seed. The father, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their seed went to Abraham's bosom. So heavenly realms was always talking about that. Like, for example, I shared with you, right? The names, Abraham. Abraham was changed to Abraham, right? Not, not insignificant, very significant. Why? God had to change Abraham's reality, right? Same thing with Simon. Simon was renamed Peter. Why? Jesus had to change Simon's reality, make him not the blade of grass just blowing every, in every direction, but make him a solid rock, someone dependable, right? In the same way, Jesus... Jesus, what was Jesus's name? He was given a name that would change the reality of all creation. Creation, now that we are all in him, in Jesus, called by the same name as it says in Ephesians 3, Paul recognized this and he said that, blessed be the God and Father, by whom we are all named, in whom we are all named, we receive the heavenly name of our Father through Jesus, Right? Now, all this is very significant. Why is that? Because when we look back at the garden, when we look at the garden experience, right? There are so many little telltale signs that we can talk about, that we can speak about that come from the garden. For example, God's garden and in the east of God's garden, God planted another garden, which is the garden of man. Now, what does the east symbolize? It's, a, it's symbolic. Why in the east? We all know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The east is the beginning. It's the new day starts, it's sun rises, right? Everything starts in the east. So for example, the new beginning, God, decide, God designed everything to be starting from the garden, starting from a relationship with him. It had, to, it had to originate from that place and then come and progress into whatever it needs to evolve into, right? That's for the purpose that God placed in the east, not in the west. The west is generally always symbolized by the setting sun. Setting sun means the end of something. But the garden of man was started in the east. In other words, he God begun something that was supposed to go all the way through and progress into its fruition, right? Uh, heaven is basically something that if we understand the language, okay, we'll really understand what God is saying, what he is doing, what he intends, and why. Now, you know, I had a lot, I've had a lot of dreams in the past, like, for example, 2016, 2017, 2018. And I was always like, uh, like, for example, in 2016, I've, I had close to around 250 dreams. In 2017, I had close to around 2000 dreams. In 2018, I had close to around 1,500 dreams. And a lot of those dreams really didn't make any sense to me. And I was wondering, you know, it's like, why? Because I had gotten so intrigued with dreams and visions and stuff like that. And I'm talking about everything, right? Dreams, visions, night visions, trances. I've had all those experiences. And I was asking, you know, the father as in like, I, I need to really, you know, get into this mode of trying to interpret dreams and trying to solve the mystery and solve the puzzle. 
I couldn't imagine at that point of time, I couldn't imagine Jesus getting dreams and the father speaking to him through dreams because it didn't make sense. And Jesus, you know, going through dream interpretation modules and trying to figure out uh, what is Father God saying? You know, it's like, I can't imagine something like that. As far as Father God and Jesus were concerned, they spoke very clearly. Jesus understood the father's heart. He, he didn't need to interpret the father's heart. For him, it was very clear. So I started telling Father God, you know, I, I said, you know, I really don't want to go through this process of, you know, trying to interpret dreams and, you know, get into this mode of, I mean, dreams are good. Okay. Dreams are amazing. It's fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's, it's good. But I don't want to have to go through this process of trying to decipher something when I can have a really clear and functional relationship with you that is, that, you know, bypasses all this kind of, you know, intrigue and, you know, mystery and all that kind of stuff. The ever since then, the number of dreams I started having started reducing and they started dwindling down and I started hearing Father God and seeing him and understanding him a lot more clearly. And everything that he said became started making more sense. So I, I mean, while I still had dreams, I started to understand that the, while the number of dreams started reducing, the, the way I started, the, the method and the way I started understanding Father God started becoming more clear. I received more clarity in the way he spoke. It became more tangible. And then finally I got into this place where I started, where I saw him, I met him face to face and my communication with him has become more like, you know, uh, it's, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Now I don't need the dreams and all that. Although I still do get dreams because now I, I've come to understand that, uh, you know, it's like, I, maybe I have not been listening to when father God has been telling me something because it's still subjective. But, and I still get dreams, you know, that try to course correct me and bring me back on course. But the number of dreams have started reducing the number of encounters in terms of visions and stuff that I need to interpret that has reduced significantly. And I know it's getting even better and it's getting more clear. The Holy Spirit keeps teaching us as we go along. And this is the best part about it. You know, it's like, he's always training us. He's always teaching us. Now, when we look at the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is full of, you know, types and symbols. It's full of analogies. It is a book that is full of only typologies and symbols, nothing else. There's no real, it's not a book of clarity in terms of, you know, it's like God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. No, you have angels, you have harps, you have creatures with eyes and horns and stuff like that. What do these eyes and horns and the dragon and the tail and, you know, the stars of heaven and the candlesticks and the candlestands and the lights, what do all these things really mean? They are all stuff. They're all things that need to be interpreted. Now, the reason why I'm sharing all this with you is because when we start approaching and we start seeing things in the heavenly realms, okay, there are two ways we can approach it. One, we can either approach it through the eyes of John, who saw it through symbols and typologies and stuff like that. Or we can start seeing things clearly so that when we approach it, we know exactly what it means. Right. For example, uh, we all know that, you know, uh, God uh, brought the animals to uh, to Adam and said, you know, to see what he would name the animals. But let me ask you this. What did he really name the animals with, with what language when Adam was created? What language did he speak? Any idea? A lot of people say, you know, he spoke Hebrew. But Hebrew wasn't, uh, didn't come about till much later on. So what language did Adam speak? What language did Adam and Eve converse in? Any idea? What language did Cain and Abel converse in? Right? Did, what kind of language? And where's that language today? What language did God use when he said, light be? What language did he speak in when he said, let the earth bring forth and bud? What did he say? How did, which language did he use? Right? The best part is this. Adam and Eve were so spiritual. They were so in touch with the spirit and they were so connected in the heavenly realms. They were not using words. They did not speak in a vocal language. Just like God said, light be in heaven. There is no verbal communication. There's no sound coming out of your mouth. Although if you want, you can still have it. But when we interact in heaven, it is everything that you want to communicate, the other person knows it because the intention that you release out of yourself, the other person has already received it. 
communication in heaven doesn't require you to say something it just requires you to intend something in other words the other person knows what you want to say the other person knows what you're thinking that you want him to receive and that's the way communication is when you communicate with father god you don't hear him in an audible voice i mean very rarely will you ever hear him in an audible voice probably when you're not listening and you're not paying attention and you really need the information then you'll hear a booming voice of the father saying you know it's like hey listen man but otherwise he's always speaking from heart to heart communication takes place from you know what he's telling you that's the way communication happens in heaven right so it's it's about how language the language of heaven is not about words or it's not in sentences it's about you know what the other person is saying father god just shares with you his heart you get a download of everything that he wants to tell you and suddenly you know this is what he's saying that's the way it works in heaven so when we are uh the reason why i'm sharing this is because in the book of revelation when we when we look at the book of revelation and when we are communicating in heaven now i'm hoping by now that because we you already you know been through at least two activations and you've seen uh, that you know uh, when i say activations i'm just talking about how you can use your imagination and start your heavenly journey or starting to see heaven you at least explore i'm hoping okay by now you at least try to you know spend some time exploring heaven's at least trying to gauge or see what is happening around you engage with the spiritual realms engage with the heavenly realms and try to figure out what's going on in there right at least try to see okay fine you know i am in my garden i'm seeing something and all that like for example uh in in the garden okay now okay let's go back to revelation and then i'll share this with you later on again as far as john was concerned he saw everything as a perception okay of what he knew as a reality of god so if in other words if god had to show him something it had to be something that he could actually comprehend it couldn't it it would make no sense if god showed him something that he didn't fully understand and he didn't know how to translate for other people to read or even you know uh, yeah, understand what was going on in heaven right it had to be symbolic so god showed him symbolism for him to understand what was going on right type like i was saying typologies analogies they were not literal like for example if you go and see uh, in revelation chapter uh, revelation chapter 10 verse 9 okay the angel said the angel told john eat the book he told him to eat a book now do you do you think that john actually ate a book it doesn't make sense right what was it actually what did it actually mean what was the meaning of what john was saying what the angel was telling him to do the angel was basically telling him to digest what the what he was seeing digest what god wanted him to know so and come to terms with it because it was going to come soon it was going to happen soon and the reason why he had to eat the book was so that he could make it a part of his being now when you think of a book a book in the spirit literally means uh, that it is something that you no know, uh, that contains events and something that is written down and the moment you write something down it it literally means that it is surely going to come to pass in the old testament god always told the prophets write it down write it down why did why write it down why write it down for something that was going to happen in those times it was because whatever you write down is passed off as law it is it is going to take place written in stone it's not going to change that is what writing it down simply means it's a symbolism it's analogy this is surely going to come to pass now when john was in the heavenly realms okay the angel said write it down it simply meant definitely going to come to pass come to terms with it you need to uh, you need to understand this is what is going to take place it was it also meant that john was expected he was expected to prophesy and manifest everything that was written in that book that he had just written so it was just a done deal that's what it simply meant now what about trees right we read so much in the bible about trees trees generally symbolize leaders they speak of guardians they speak of custodians because you know it's like trees are what they are like they have this covering about them they have the sheltering kind of a nature right these parallels are 
all over our physical world, right? For example, yeah, when we look at uh, parallels in the Bible, like for example, uh, in in Mark chapter eight, where the time when you know Jesus healed that blind guy, right? He he took spit, or rather, he spat into that blind guy's eye, and uh, suddenly he asked him, "So, what do you see?" And the blind man was like, "You know, uh, I see, I see." men that are like trees now that doesn't make sense right men don't look like trees but he was looking at men like trees in other words he was looking at trees but he knew that they were men what does that mean he suddenly got a glimpse of the spiritual realm that is what a leader a guardian uh, some kind of sort of a custodian looks like in the heavenly realms so he said, I see men like trees. And then Jesus spat in his eye again. Right? Why? Why heal him of something when he can already see something? Because he was not completely healed physically yet, but he got a glimpse of the spiritual realm. So Jesus healed him. And then he said, yeah, okay, fine. I'm fine. Right? What is, you know, there's everything that uh, was written down for us has some significance here and there. There's a reason why he had, uh, why it was written down that he needed to see this thing before it actually took place. So we know that, and, and this is quite intriguing, right? Because it's like when we think about all these things, we expect to go into heaven and see everything that is like as if it is a physical tree, physical people, physical houses. Nothing is physical in the heavenly realms. Heaven is not some physical place. Heaven is a spiritual place. Heaven is a place that is a state of existence that we that is manifesting for us. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you see heaven as you know this place of amazing glory and life, it is expected that God wants us to live that glory and that amazing life physically. That's how Adam was designed. I'll give you another example, right? Uh, in the book of Daniel chapter 4, right, there's Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon and stuff, and, he, and God showed him a dream. And in this dream, he showed him this huge tree in the middle of the meadow, and it was large, and it was tall, and, you know, it's like birds sheltered in it, and animals sheltered in it. And right, you could see that tree right from the ends of the earth. What did that mean for Nebuchadnezzar? It was actually talking about him that he was this tree that was so big and so glorious that people recognized that, wow, this is, this is a leader. This is an amazing, glorious, you know, leader. And, you know, what happened in the rest of the dream is different. You know, you got cut down and all that stuff. But the point is that dreams are symbolic. Everything that you see in the heavenly realms are symbolic. So, for example, let's say for example, uh, you go into, the, uh, into heaven and you start seeing a mansion, right? What did Jesus say? You heard, right? Uh, I go to uh, I go to heaven and uh, I'm preparing a place for you. In my house, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Now that doesn't make sense, right? How can mansions be there, be exist in a house? I mean, you have a house, right? One small house, and inside that small house, you have many mansions. It's in the Bible. That doesn't make sense. Was Jesus out of his mind? No. Jesus was looking into heaven. Jesus was living from heaven. What he meant was in Father God, who is our dwelling place, there are many, many glorious places and states of existence in which you live. Because in dream world, when I say dream, I'm not talking about make-believe and you know fantasy land and all that stuff. I'm talking about the reality of in which God lives. Dreams basically are symbolic of the reality that God exists in. So when Jesus was actually saying that, he was saying that your mansion, in other words, the way you are going to live, your life, when it says houses and mansions and all that in the heavenly realms are symbolic of your life, right? What he was talking about was your life in God is going to be amazing and glorious. It's going to be so big and so, so, so magnificent, right? You're going to be living an awesome life. That's what he meant. Not that you're going to die and go to heaven and live in one house in heaven. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So we have to understand these little, you know, uh, these little symbolic things before we think that, you know, I'm going to go to heaven and, you know, God says, I have a big house in heaven and I, I'm going to have a meadow out front. I'll build a farm and I'll build this and I'll build that. That's not what God is talking about. 
And it's not, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not saying you won't do that. I'm not saying that people who have gone uh, into heaven are not doing that. I, I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is that that is not what God is saying. When God said all these things, when Jesus said all these things, he was talking about literally the state of existence that you are going to be living in. Your reality is going to be exactly what I am saying about. And I'll share more about this. You know, in John chapter 14, he talks, he says, in my father's house, there are many dwellings. This is what I'm talking about. In my father's house, there are many dwellings, right? If it were not so, I would not have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he said. Now, if you really want to see the father's house, he mentioned something about the kingdom. And the kingdom is that reality that we are translated into primarily. What does that mean? It simply means that the first thing that you and I need to understand is what the kingdom is about. Because when we understand what the kingdom is about, we'll understand everything else. We are made to inhabit the kingdom. And we are not made to simply just, you know, visit the visit heaven from time to time. We are not, you know, like visitors to the kingdom. We are called to make it our dwelling place. In other words, it is already our dwelling place. We are called to be start getting aware of it. Start realizing that we are already there. The more you realize that you are already living in the kingdom, you are already there, you will start living that kind of kingdom life. The more we, you know, the more we start developing our spiritual senses, the more we start growing in those experiences and we start manifesting these kingdom realities. You know, uh, if we cooperate more with the Holy Spirit, when we start giving ourselves to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, the Holy Spirit is always guiding us. He's always leading us. He's always telling us what to do. The point is, are we hearing? Are we listening? Are we paying attention to what he is saying? Now, how does he speak? He's not like one second person, you know, standing at the side speaking and we are hearing his, you know, Kurt, listen, you know, you've got to stand up and you've got to move over there and do that. He's not like the second person. Because we are so one with him, his thoughts are our thoughts and our thoughts are his thoughts. It's like oneness. So if you feel like, you know, hey, listen, you know, maybe I should call my friend and, you know, just speak to him. I think he's, you know, he would like to hear from me. Random thought in your mind. Why would you think about your friend suddenly? That thought would be the Holy Spirit because suddenly it came out of nowhere. You remember I was sharing with you about how it's like, uh, you can trace your thoughts back to a certain point where you started off. That way you will know whether it's you know, actually the Holy Spirit speaking or just you know your mind who, that has made up some stuff because of something that sparked off that train of thought, right? So the way we cooperate with the Holy Spirit is the way we start seeing into the heavenly realms. Now, like I said, the kingdom is not some, you know, it's not some place, it's not, it's not a geographical location. Okay. It's not a place that, you know, we are called to visit. It is actually a realm. It's not a place that we visit once we die. It's a reality that we are actually living in. And that reality, that kingdom that I'm talking about, heaven, is what actually literally sustains our physical life. We are supposed to draw our sustenance. We're supposed to draw our provision from the heavenly realms, right? You remember Jesus, uh, he sent his disciples out uh, two by two. You, you can read about this in Matthew chapter, I think, uh, Matthew chapter 10 somewhere. Verse seven, sorry. He says, he sent his disciples out two by two and he said, the kingdom, he said, when you go, you preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is when Jesus came. Okay, he came, he sent his disciples out. He said, preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, very soon you are going to see that the kingdom of heaven is going to come and you are going to experience it. You are going to see it. It's going to become accessible to you, right? And it's going to be revealed to you. Now, in Luke chapter 17, okay, he says, don't look here, don't look there, okay? Even though people say, you know, look here, look there and all that, behold, you don't need to pay attention to all that because the kingdom of heaven will be in you. And that's powerful. That is really awesome. Because when we are looking for the kingdom of heaven from outside, we are thinking, you know, wait a minute, you know, it's like the kingdom has to come. Everybody, you know, all the churches. I, I, I have, uh, I was a part, and this is, I don't want to make fun of anything, but I found it hilarious at that time. 
I, I knew that Jesus was always, and I, we, we became a part of one church and the theme of that church was at, for, for that year, the year that we joined that church, Father God had sent us to that church actually, uh, just to be a part of it. And, you know, we ended up leading the youth and being the youth pastors over there. But the, the theme for the year in that church was thy kingdom come. In other words, Father God, please let your kingdom come. We want to bring your kingdom down to the earth. And, you know, we want to make your kingdom, establish your kingdom on the earth and stuff like that. Where, where did they get that from? They get that, got that from the Our Father prayer. And uh, when we joined the church, we, we heard that theme. They made stickers and everything, you know, posters, banners and everything. They stuck it on their car and all that. And I was like, you know, what do you mean by, by their kingdom come? You are the kingdom. Right? Revelation chapter 6. You are the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And he also said in Revelation, he said, he has made us kings and a kingdom. He has made us priests and a priesthood unto our God and Father. Now, that's awesome because he actually literally made us that. So you and I are the kingdom. No longer are we looking for the kingdom to come. Here, the kingdom is here. There, I see the kingdom operating right there. You guys are the kingdom exactly where you are. In other words, whatever you do with the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the kingdom in your reality, in your life. You're going to a business meeting. Guess what? The kingdom just came to the business meeting. You are going for a society meeting. Guess what? The kingdom just stepped into the society meeting. You're going to school. Guess what? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, just stepped into that school. Where's the kingdom? You are the kingdom. Because the moment you got there, everything in the kingdom started working for you. Angelic hosts, the heavens, the living beings, prosperity, victory, wisdom, glory, life. Everything started working for you in that place. You are the kingdom. You can't expect something to happen from the outside in. It's happening from the inside out. Right? You remember in the, in the case of Adam? Adam named the animals from the inside out. In other words, whatever he said, the animals became. Whatever he, he saw and perceived as truth manifested. Whatever he believed became real. That's the way it is in our life today. If you fear something... If you believe things are not working out, if you believe things are, oh my God, this is helpless and hopeless and all that, that's the way it's going to be. You need to change your mind about that. If you know, wait a minute, I'm just going to let heaven work for me. Heaven is going to work for you. You don't have to say, wait a minute, I can't see heaven working for me. You don't have to think about that. You don't even have to bother about it. If you know heaven is working for you, heaven is working for you. Why? Because that's the truth. That is the reality. You don't have to see. It's not your problem. It's not your business how it happens. I mean, you can make it your business. You can decide also. Grow in it. But it is not your business. If you ask me, it's not your business. I would like to get into the nitty gritty. I like to choose how things happen. And I like the way it is. Because I like, I'm pretty meticulous about how things should work out. But about general stuff, I don't need to bother about all that stuff. Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Things will work out just fine. But as far as I'm concerned, the kingdom is working on my behalf. Wherever I am, the kingdom is. That's the way it's supposed to be. Let the kingdom work for you. Let the kingdom do things that you are not supposed to meddle in. Your prosperity is not your business. Your prosperity is the kingdom business. As long as you are in the kingdom, you are prosperous. You're not going to try and be prosperous. You are prosperous, right? Why is, why, why is that? You know, as far as God is concerned, everything that he is has to manifest through us, right? See, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, I believe, uh, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has already come upon you. In other words, if I have done this, if I was able to, Restore this place, then the kingdom is already here. You're already living in the kingdom. In other words, when you go to your society meeting or your school meeting or business meeting, your, uh, your, 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 whatever it is, wherever you're going, 
the kingdom of heaven is operational over there and your the results that you're going to see over there is in your favor take it for granted that's the way it is supposed to be right wherever jesus went the kingdom literally manifested his kingdom reality literally manifested and all the people who were there with him got included in that kingdom experience right when people came into his reality their their experiences became his experiences they started experiencing what he had been living right he came and and what did he come for he came to give us his reality right now who are, who are we we are those portals we are those kingdom carriers we are the ones who are actually living to manifest jesus it comes from us to the world around us you know john chapter 17 uh, i believe he says uh, he says father you know i i desire that everyone whom you have given to me may be with me right because and uh, may be with me and that once again let me just read that it will be more accurate if i read it right because it's really powerful Uh, John chapter seventeen and verse twenty-four. Uh, yeah, twenty-four. It says, "Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me from the foundation of the world." Now, how many of us? How many of you know that when Jesus prayed something, when Jesus asked for something that is pray always got answered can we take that for granted jesus prayed for something means answered prayer given so if jesus is prayer is answered that means that everything that he desired came true in other words we are exactly where he is amen we are where he is he is in heaven he is heaven we are exactly where he is everything that god has given him he has given us that's his prayer which means it is answered which means we have what he prayed for right so jesus prayed a prayer for us to understand him now what is this kingdom that he is talking about what is this place that he is talking about that you know we he keeps on saying you know the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the kingdom is here the kingdom is upon you how did he speak of the kingdom you remember i shared with you earlier about how he spoke about parables how he spoke in parables what are these parables were they meant to confuse people because a lot of what he said for i mean for for the longest time as you know as a as a christian as a church goer for me it was all like why did jesus you know speak in all these you know little riddles and you know puzzles and he made people you know all you know these mysteries why did he like to talk like that i came to realize that he was not talking in mysteries and parables and you know and stuff like that those parables were actually his interpretation of the kingdom right those parables were literally him telling us that wait a minute you know this is what the kingdom is if you start understanding what the kingdom is you'll be living the kingdom for example in mark chapter in mark chapter 4 right he said how shall we picture the kingdom of god he didn't say how can can i take you into the kingdom of god let's go and check out the kingdom he didn't say that he says how shall we picture how can we picture the kingdom of god or by what parable shall we present it that's what he said right mark chapter 4 and verse 20 uh, so mark chapter 4 and verse 30 you can check it out later on how shall we picture the kingdom of god and by what parables can we present it in other words how can i tell you what the kingdom of god is like in other words how can i tell you how to live the kingdom of god live it out right that's what he was saying so he basically used the parables to tell us what the kingdom of god was about for example in uh, in matthew chapter 13 i believe right he said the kingdom of god is like a treasure that was hidden in a field right and uh, and a man found it and he hid the treasure again and then because he was so happy and all that he went and sold everything that he had and you know he went and bought that field 
So he found a treasure, he buried it, made sure nobody found out, then he went, sold everything he had, and he went and bought the treasure. Then he said that a kingdom of uh, the kingdom of heaven is like you know a merchant who was looking for fine pearls, and then he found a pearl that was of real great value to him. So he went and sold everything that he had, and he went and bought that pearl. What was he literally talking about? He was talking about the kingdom is so precious that you're willing to give up all that you have, this physical life, everything that you know is like you think this is you think what you what you're living right now is of value. You haven't seen value yet. You haven't seen purpose yet. You haven't seen glory yet. Step into the kingdom of God. Start seeing heaven for what it truly is. See what life, eternal life really is. And then you will give up everything to try and get heavenly realities to manifest in your life. That's what he was talking about when he spoke about these things. You know, the, the leaders, the, the elders and the Pharisees and the scribes, the priests of those days, they were all looking for the Messiah. They were all waiting for Jesus to come. In their minds, they were like, you know, like Jesus is going to come, you know, the sky is going to crack open and stuff, all that stuff is going to take place. Now they knew, although the scripture said that he, it's not going to be in such big grandeur and all that, they thought it was because it's like, this is God coming to the earth now. So they thought in that way. When he did come, and when they saw the miracles, they saw all the stuff which they had never seen in their life. They, they had never seen a blind person suddenly receiving sight. They had never seen a lame person, you know, suddenly started walking again. They had never seen a paralyzed person, you know, uh, suddenly jump back to life. They had never seen all this. But when they saw it, what, I mean, why didn't they just believe it? For them, why, was, why were all these signs? I mean, they were signs, they were wonders, they were miracles. But they ignored it. You know why? Because they were so busy with their life, with their physical life. For them, it was like, you know, it's like what I have is more important. Their position, their authority, what they thought they had was of more value than the kingdom because it came so subtly. It came so, you know, it's like it wasn't that glorious, thunderous kind of, you know, yeah, God has come to the earth now. Yeah, look at me, man. I'm Jesus and you know, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to save you from your troubles and stuff. It didn't come like that. There was no fanfare and all that. It came as a guy, as a carpenter, a carpenter's son, not even a carpenter. He was he didn't even do any carpentry. As far as he was concerned, he was a carpenter's son. He was off busy, you know, uh, spending time with the father and going and teaching in the temple. So for him, it was no big deal. But these guys didn't see him because they didn't, because they were too busy with their own life doing things. You know, in John chapter 14, and uh, I don't know which verse, but it says, if you don't believe that I'm, uh, if you don't believe me for, you know, uh, or he says, believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. If you're not going to believe that, then at least believe the works that I'm doing. Believe me because of the works that I'm doing, right? He told them that. They still couldn't believe it, right? In Luke chapter 13, uh, he said, he gave another parable of the, he, that to describe what the kingdom of heaven was like and how it was different from this, the kingdoms of the world. He said, to what shall I compare this, uh, you know, the kingdom of God? It is like, it is like yeast that you put in, that a woman takes and puts into bread and it leavens out the entire bread. What does that mean? He's describing how one glimpse of the kingdom can change your entire reality. You can struggle all your life, but one glimpse of living inside a kingdom reality can change everything for you. You will never be the same person again. And there were many other examples. You know, it's like, uh, I think it was in Matthew chapter 18. When you go back to this, uh, this you know, the recording, you can also pull out your Bibles and start, you know, getting back to these scriptures. In Matthew chapter 18, I believe it's in verse uh, 23, he's talking about the, the kingdom as a king who, you know, it's like forgives one one of his slaves uh, of some, some debt that the slave owed him. And, you know, uh, the, he, he forgives the, de the debt and then he sends him off and that same slave goes and, you know, persecutes some, you know, it's like some guy who was serving him he persecutes him because that guy couldn't repay him. And you know, when the when the, the king found out, he put him in prison and something, something like that. Now, if you think about it from that point of view, it 
also spoke about the same you know uh, the 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 our father prayer in the our father prayer you you remember it says forgive our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us now everything changed after jesus came right after jesus came it became like the other way around where you were supposed to forgive because you are forgiven not in order to get forgiven that's how it works in the kingdom as of today so we are called to actually live in a reality in you know it's like we are not supposed to be thinking about you know how how am i supposed to get by in life how am i supposed to live this life and try to struggle get by god wants us to be living in the kingdom he he wants us to live with the kingdom mindset in other words everything in heaven is working for us you have angels who are working for you you have angels and you have living beings and hosts there are councils of heaven there are courts of heaven there are beings in heaven father god holy spirit jesus are all working on our behalf why is it that we don't see it literally manifesting why is it that we don't see these things come about in our life why is it that we don't see breakthrough and victory and success why is it that we don't see you know it's like things there's always trouble uh, and stuff happening why is it that way well the most logical answer i can offer for this is that most of the time we are not conscious of the heavenly realms that we are living in so we don't give heaven a chance to work on our behalf another way to look at it and and this is true i believe because i've seen it in my own life is that because you and i are governors of our life no one can interfere spiritually i'm talking about no angel no heavenly hosts not even the holy spirit not even father god can interfere in our life because you and i are the governors of our own life if we give him a chance to come into oneness with us if we give him a chance to take control take charge to do things in our life you and i will be living glorious and amazing life why is that because we have now come into oneness with the father we have come to oneness with the kingdom and we allow we 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 allow the kingdom to work and do everything that the kingdom does for us what is the kingdom about it's about prosperity it is about victory it is about justice it is about truth all these things are kingdom realities right we wonder how is it you know it's like uh, there are so many songs you know it's like when i was uh, in my college days i used to listen to you know bands like metallica and iron maiden stuff like that and a lot of these songs they 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 use words they try to you know it's like propaganda i don't know but it sounds there's one song iron maiden uh, that says only the good die young it's a song and and the youngsters are actually listening to these songs like only the good die young and one of my favorite songs at that time because i didn't know any better but i mean it had a good riff and everything the point is that why would you believe something like that why would you come up with something like that right i mean and and worse songs than that also but it's all in it's all mind play now think about it. in the kingdom everything is life what is eternal life eternal life is you can't die there is no death in life it's the heavenly kind of life it is the god kind of life that is eternal life in other words you are now living god's life god is living his life in you you want to see victory you want to see abundance god is living his life in you not the other way around you're not trying to live for god you know we try to get this uh, we, we are confused most of the time we are trying to live for god and do things for god god is like stop it i want to live through you in other words you can't do anything i want to be the one who's living so everything that you do is going to be absolutely glorious because you are now coming to oneness with me you remember uh, i mean or let me you know point you to that scripture in the bible where it says god made man in other words we are made and there's a maker and that maker wants to live his life through us so there's only one person okay that is more powerful than you in your life 
and that's your father in heaven. There's only one person in your life that is the most powerful being you will ever know. And that is you. No one in your life is as powerful as you. No one in your life, no one in your life, and, and this is the truth, no one in your life can do the things that only you can do for yourself. Because God has made you like that. We are waiting for you know, other people to come and do things for us and we are waiting for help from the outside and all that. No one can make your life, no one can do things that you can. So you are the author of your own life. Now, that being said, heaven works on our behalf and comes into oneness. But because we don't believe it, we stop heaven from operating in our life. Now, how does heaven get a chance to operate and do things? It gets empowered. Heaven receives its authority, its authorization from you and me. Not from the other way, not, not the other way around, right? It's supposed to be that you authorize heaven and heaven starts working and doing everything for you from the inside out. You are the author of your life. Heaven can only do things in your reality when you allow it to do things. Because the kingdom, like Jesus said, is in you. Amen. No one in your life is as powerful as you. You got to take, that's the only takeaway you have. You are the author of your own life. So, I mean, let God do his thing, okay? He is the father. He is already, see, the thing is this. Father God is already, you already have a future. You have a past, which you don't need to think about. Your future is as glorious as you can imagine. It's as glorious as you want it to be. The question is, what kind of future do you see? The future you see, you start living for today. In other words, if you see a future that is, you know, helpless and hopeless and, you know, it's like it has no, nothing good in it, your, your present, the life you're living in today will not be that great. But if you see what the Father sees, if you see what heaven sees, that your future is absolutely amazing and glorious, that's the future you'll be living in today. Right? So start seeing a glorious life. Start seeing eternal life. That's the way you're supposed to see. The next time we uh, meet, I'm going to show you how, or rather we've already seen, I've already shown you how, but we want to take this, you know, it's like stepping into heaven a little more uh, serious. In other words, start exploring heaven, seeing what heaven is all about and living that kind of glorious life. Right? You want to live in a reality that is completely perfect. Nothing in this life should ever throw you, throw problems at you. And you have to say, oh, wait a minute, this is life. That's not life. The kingdom is life. The way Jesus lived, that is life. Right? How many of us want to live the way Jesus lived? It's a no-brainer. Everyone wants to live the way Jesus lived because he lived a powerful life. I'm not talking about the time he was crucified, okay? He got crucified so you and I don't have to get crucified. He, he suffered so that you and I should never have to suffer. That's why he suffered. And he allowed it to happen. It could not jump him. He, it's not as if, you know, oh, you know, this is life. That's not what he said. I'm laying down my life. I'm giving it up and I'm taking it back. No one can do it. I'm doing it. So you don't have to. Right? So... The, the God kind of life is the life that Jesus lived and the, he demonstrated it for us when he lived. Amen. Amen. Any questions about what we spoke about today? Anyone has anything to share? I have been finding, uh, you know, I previously I used to command, I used to speak, I mean, like, you know, say, and now I realize that just my thinking and desiring is is as powerful or maybe even more powerful because I was I was doing that physically and you know without without really being led by the spirit. But here, just my desires and my thing. The second thing which I heard you you repeated it two or three times about us being governors and uh, heaven not being able to to do anything without uh, our thing. I, we, we, we keep forgetting. I mean, I definitely keep forgetting that I have angels, I have beings, I have all kinds of things working on my behalf. I don't have to even command them or say, 
I just have to like think, you know, you you go ahead and, and do work for me and things are getting done. I mean, they're just really getting done. I mean, I'm, I'm quite amazed. I mean, see, think about it, okay? How is it that God exists in your life, but nothing works out? I mean, I'm talking about in, yeah. in case or nothing works out, right? Is it that God is not real? Is he, it doesn't, is it that he doesn't have power? How is it that you have angels and there are angels that are working for mankind? How is it that there's a heaven? How is it that there's a kingdom, but you don't see it? But, you know, it's like, it doesn't work for you. Things are still in a struggle or in, you know, uh, that, that, that was not, a, that, not in great shape. That was the reason I was, I was realizing that the reason, I mean, I had already got, got, got the point that I'm, I'm not using the kingdom. I'm not using it. Absolutely. So it's not it's not there. It's that you need to empower them to do what they're supposed to do. You empower, you authorize, you are the author, you are the governor, you decide. See, governor means what? Governor means you make everything happen the way you want it to happen. You decide how things should work. You are the governor, you are the author of your life. So in other words, unless you decide that this is the way it should be, nothing will work out, right? So when I say you think you should decide how it should be, I'm not saying that, you know, you settle for anything that happens. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you start seeing the life that you want and your intention, your desire will make that happen. The, the, other, the second thing that I found was that uh, unconsciously we, I am programmed into thinking negatively and I'm changing that into thinking positively. You know, I mean, I the Lord has probably been showing it to me because I've even had a, a, a guy from, from the US talk about fasting for 40 days from wrong thoughts. <laughs> you know, and it's so important. It's so important that we that we think only right thoughts because that's how it's, it's as you think it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've been trained, right? Right from birth, we've been trained to think negatively. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The world around us is training us to think negatively. So, I mean, it's but natural. Yeah. That's what it is, natural, right? But we are not natural. You and I are super natural. We are, we are heavenly beings, right? We are of the Father, made in His image. So, we need to change our mindset, right? Yeah. Awesome. Anyone else? Anything to share? Any questions? Okay, cool. So great talking to you guys. And uh, if you haven't already, I would really want to encourage you that you should go and like we did the last time, we did two or three exercises. See yourself, right? Uh, see yourself in the, you know, going through your entering your gate. You see your gate, you walk into your compound. Why don't you take some, you know, some different road? Maybe you find a little, you know, portal opening up on the right hand side, walk into that portal. You go and find some big mansion in heaven, right? You go and start exploring stuff, right? You don't need to always start seeing the same thing. Go and explore. Let your spiritual senses start getting activated. Let your imagination start activating who you are in the spirit. The reason why you have an imagination is not because... Where did your imagination come from? Who gave you an imagination, right? You didn't get an imagination by you making up something. You got an imagination because that is something that is from that it's part of your makeup that God has already designed in you, right? So we have something called an imagination, which is, which is just a word called imagination that we understand, but it's actually a spiritual thing. It is our spiritual sense gearing up and setting us up to experience spiritual and heavenly realities, nothing else. So you have an imagination to set you up for spiritual experiences, right? It is not a bad thing. It is actually an amazing thing. It is meant to empower you to, to enter heaven and see what heaven is about. So use it, right? Uh, go, go into the Bible. If you see the book of Ezekiel, you see what Ezekiel's visions, right? What he saw. Go into that and start imagining what, see what Ezekiel saw. Close your eyes, start seeing. Use the Bible for, you know, all these experiences. Go see what Daniel saw. Go see what Isaiah saw, Right? The, they, they've written down visions and all that. So you don't have to sit and, you know, wait for something to happen. You start experiencing it, and then suddenly things will start opening up to you. 
you'll start seeing things happening in heaven that you had no that you can't imagine now you start seeing heavenly realities that's the way it will work for you if that's the way you desire otherwise you can just step into heaven and start seeing what's there no problem it can work even that way for you there's no one way to do it what i am trying to say is start exploring start using your imagination start going start seeing heaven don't sit and expect things to come to you right you have you are the author of your own life unless you decide this is the way it's going to be nothing is going to work out for you start seeing heavenly realities and things will change amen awesome see you guys next time have an awesome weekend thanks god thanks a lot see you soon thanks a lot thanks god thanks god thank you thank you thanks god bye 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 thank you Kurt. Welcome.